Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? Well, today is a good, good day for Marlene, and that is because of my guest. This is a lady by the name of Carol Banayos. She is a number one best-selling author, entrepreneur, creator, life coach, blogger, psychic, and clairvoyant. She is a graduate of the Asper School of Business from the University of Manitoba. She holds degrees in human resources and marketing, psychology, and business management, and she's also certified as a life executive coaching and in NLP. For those of you who don't know what that acronym is, it's Neuro Linguistic Programming. Now, after her third, yes, third near-death experience, she finally woke the fuck up and was now awakened (laughs) on a higher level while being consciously aware of the life that she was leading. This realization led to changing the life and career she wanted. She realized that she was conditioned conforming to the norms of society. Therefore, she quit her secure position attained by working for seven years with the province to pursue her passion in real estate. This led to her life coaching and the writing of her book, which is titled, Wake the Fuck Up. (laughs) So how are you doing today, Carol? I'm doing fantastic today. How are you? Great. Now, before we get into the book, and and, and I discussed this earlier with you, Carol, I wanted to ask you, um, what, what was going on with your life? I'm sure that it wasn't just one incident that led to that effing moment when you woke up well it was it happened after my uh, third near-death experience and I think a lot of people kind of get into certain relationships where their intuition tells them they shouldn't actually go into it in the first initial state so I kind of ignored my intuition and uh, I went into a relationship anyways and in that relationship, I was already, um, you know, I got out of a previous relationship and I should have given myself the time to heal, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't give myself self time to heal. And I went to another relationship where I knew I wasn't really emotionally available okay. and not right. And so in that process, I began to lose myself and I felt that I always had to lower my ambitions. And I tried to leave the uh, relationship three times, two or three times, kind of Mm -hmm. broke up, got back together, you know, and it got to a point where I felt like I couldn't break up uh, with him. And I thought that the at that time, the most rational way to get out of the relationship was to commit suicide. Okay. 
And it was such a vicious cycle because I was so, so depressed. And then, then I ate so much and I got so depressed because I ate so much because right. what I was trying to do, I was trying to numb my feelings. Mm-hmm. And then, so I was getting into the process like, okay, the only way I can get out of this relationship is that I just need to like end my life. So I was thinking of certain ways of, you know, how to do that. And it just so happens like, you know, three months prior to that a relationship actually ending, I just had a talk with my ex-sister-in-law that time. And I said, I wish he would just cheat and cheat on me and leave. And that's actually what happened. Wow. So I didn't actually get to that point because, you know, when you get into a relationship, the natural progression is, OK, you know, you go to you're with them for X amount of years. The next step is to kind of get engaged. The next step is to kind of get married. And we're kind of going down to that trajectory. But I knew that just it wasn't right. But again, as like usually with females or people in general, we kind of keep that, you know, we quiet that voice down mm-hmm. instead of really just, you know, like hearing it and, and just taking that risk or standing up for yourself and being, you know what, this fucking relationship is not working. I'm kind of dying inside. I need right. to make that decision and leave. But instead I, I kind of was like, I pussied out and I just like, I just went along when, with what I thought I should naturally be doing. And, and after that whole uh, relationship ended, I, I finally woke the fuck up because I, I realized I was living my life in a lie. I did a lot of things based on how I thought society, my parents and everybody thought I should be living. And right. so after that happened, I kind of went, um, I went intensely into kind of personal development mm-hmm. and I, I made myself an object of study because I think a lot of the time when people don't really know what they want in life or what they want to pursue is because they don't really get to sell or get a chance to get to know them. People even kind of, a shy away from me and want to spend two minutes by themselves. Oh, sure. Because, it, because I guess, you know, to actually really like look into the depths of your own being, people will get kind of scared of that because you don't know what things are going to surface. So I had to make sure before I even entered in any relationship or any kind of venture that I start to get to know me better. And then yes. so that kind of led to the path of like, you know, um, me kind of quitting my seven year career in human resources. And I, I went through all that education to kind of get that position in the government. But then I, I, I looked at it. And I'm like, I'm not this title. I'm mm-hmm. not this profession. I'm not that person. I'm kind of a, a spiritual being having a human experience on this earth. And, you know, I grow and develop based on my own experiences. And, you know, I don't need that status or recognition. So I looked at it. And I'm like, holy shit, I just got into this job because I thought that this was going to give me the success I needed. This was going right. to give me the happiness I needed. But it was still that kind of that emptiness, that void. So I just decided to quit. And I went, uh, uh, decided to kind of pursue my fa- my passion. And a lot. And then when you're working in a secure position in the in the government oh yeah you know everybody's like you're fucking crazy Mm -hmm. you're you work so hard you have a secure position you are gonna have a pension but i didn't care about that because i just thought like there's always a cap to your potential there's always a cap to your earning possibilities and i don't want any cap at all on myself Mm -hmm. so i need to kind of venture out and do something that resonated with me where i'm going to have no restrictions Exactly, because it almost sounds like your journey from death was not only a physical thing with your near death, it was almost like a journey from, I want to say, spiritual death in the sense, not that you died spiritually, but like you Mm -hmm. were reborn to coming to grips with what you really wanted and 
putting the fear, like you said, you were thinking like what everybody was telling you, secure a job, you had mm -hmm. invested all this time and money in getting an education to go for that job and yeah. the big S word, security. <laughs> yeah. And then it turns out that, and, and the reason why I bring that up is there's a lot of people that find themselves in that situation. And don't get me wrong, there is, I understand the part about the responsibility part, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you also did a lot of soul searching before you made decisions. Yeah. In other words, you did what you just described a lot of people are scared of doing, which is having that alone, quiet moment and looking inside. Yeah. And that's a very scary thing to do because it's almost like, again, like even uh, another thing that I want to point out, even though you are going to look inside and there's a lot of things that kind of, you know, bubble up that's very negative and very, mm -hmm. you know, scary. Uh, you have to even recognize that that may not even be a collection of you. It's a collective uh, consciousness or what society, all those kind of, you know, negative input that you receive. So basically that's your ego or that's kind of what has been ingrained as we talked earlier into our subconscious of what we should look like, how we should feel, you know, who to date, you know what I mean? What career that we need. Sure. And then, you know, this, uh, a, a lot of, um, friction happens inside because I think essentially when you are wanting to become a better version of yourself there's going to be that inner battle the the you that wants to uh, rise and the you or ego that wants to continually pull you down so you have to find a way to develop that muscle and you only can do that in your alone time so that your inner voice becomes louder than the outer voice and you're able to kind of like block out all that noise you know, and I, I think just like how would people look as success, people think it's like a, an overnight thing, but people don't actually look kind of behind the curtain and be like, okay, that individual actually spent like 10, 15 years working diligently on themselves to get to that point, right? Yes. So I think we need to be able to lift the veil on a lot of the shit. And it's like, you know, we are a work in progress. This mm -hmm. uh, strength or muscle, it doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes practice. Yes. You know? And that... I and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because a lot yeah. of people don't realize exactly like what you said. Yeah. I'm not wrong to put down talent. Some people have talents, but believe it or not, what wins the day is the perseverance or the practice. You know, yeah. people that want something that practice that go back and do it and put in the time. A lot of t times when you look at people that are really successful in whatever field it is that they're in, hmm. whether it's the arts or mechanical, technical, whatever, the mm -hmm. sciences, yeah, you know, everybody always thinks of the genius, you know, like an Einstein. And that's the outlier. That's very seldom. The yeah. everyday people, it's usually the ones that do exactly what you said, that practice and do it again and again. And, you know, they have success. And a lot of people, like you said, that are on the outside looking in, they fail to realize that this person might have sacrificed or done a lot to get there. Or that they are in tune with what they really, truly want, what makes them happy, them yes. happy, not you know, everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of the one of the things I've heard that they say, if you ever really want to know if you're passionate about something is that if mm -hmm. what you wanted to do, if you would never become famous, if nobody would ever know anything about it, if you would never receive recognition or nothing, would you still do it? Mm -hmm. and they say that's one of the ways you measure if you're really truly passionate about what it is that you do. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, later on, we'll go into it. A lot of people also don't realize that sometimes as you go along in life, you transition. You know, because yes. there's people that, I'm going to give you a perfect example, that when they were young, they went and they became doctors. Mm -hmm. And then in middle age, 40s, 50s, they realize 
that's not really what makes them happy anymore. Like they're like, but how can I not? I've people also change as they go along in life. Not that it doesn't matter to them, but we all go through stages. Now, let me ask you, when you had those near death experiences, did mm-hmm. you have, you know, the the near death experiences that everybody's heard of, the tunnel? What happened with you? Well, essentially, most of my near-death experiences are, are like, I mean, near-death experiences are either ones that people who have died or come back, or Mm -hmm. uh, near-death experiences are those who have actually experienced a lot of trauma and and been able to kind of come out of that on the other side. And I think a lot of the time when I was going through that, those whole... three different near-death experiences I was actually really dead already so I didn't right I, I didn't really um kind of connect uh what was really happening to me it was only after the after the fact that I noticed that like I uh you know when my first near-death experience I kind of like ah oh, that's kind of like nothing you know right. I got into this um car accident and and the way that we were were hit from the back, it, they had to take us out with the jaws of life, right? Oh, wow. So it's almost like you look at that, and I actually didn't even tell my family anything like that happened. I just and I, I just started my um in uh my job in the government, and I had to go to this career fair in Brandon. We were stopped at a stoplight, and this van was going like 60 miles an hour, and he like hit us right from the back, pushed us right through the intersection, and then we were yeah we I, it just happened all fast, and we I wasn't even wearing a seatbelt. Oh. I now sitting in the back right and so we get uh you know pulled out of the car we put on like these um wood stretchers and mm-hmm. we brought to the hospital and you know all this stuff happened but i just i didn't even think anything of it like and then i just went on and since i started my new job i went to work the next day you know and they're like what the hell are you doing at work you just got into an accident but it was kind of like you know that people pleasing thing is like yes i just started so i have to go because i don't want to look less than you know right Right. Uh-huh. And so and then after that, like, you know, I went to the Philippines. The next one was when I got uh, stung by a box, a jellyfish. So, you oh, my God. Me. So I was uh, we're at the other side of the island. And then I was like carrying my like portable DVD player. So we're walking <laughs> in the water. And all of a sudden I was walking. I'm like, ah, fuck. It was like it was the most excruciating pain ever. So I yes. ran out to the, the the shore, like on on the beach there, and then I had all these tentacles, clear tentacles, like wrapped around my arms and my legs, and it was the most it was most painful. Like how I can like uh, compare it to is someone were to pour burning oil over your body. Yes. Yeah. I've been and stung I, by a jellyfish very lightly along, and and it wasn't a box jellyfish, so I kind of can kind of get it yes yeah, it's, so very, it's very it's very it's like all your nerves are yeah. yeah and so essentially from that it's like you know i didn't know that you know from a sting from that kind of box type of jellyfish there's like a lot of reported deaths because it can oh you know stop your heart and everything like that and i got it all over my body like all both my legs and i was actually swollen like you know from you know from here all the way down to like my uh my feet and the thing is, since I was on an island on the Philippines, it, uh, the, um, the trip to go to the hospital is like 10 hours. So I, oh, I didn't end crap. up going to the hospital. So I was just like swollen. And I just like, uh, no one peed on me because basically people are like, oh, when you get like stuck, yeah. someone should pee on you or do whatever. None, none of that happened. But I was like rocking back and forth on the shore for like, I don't know, a couple hours to let the until the pain subside. But you know what? I, again, I didn't even fucking care. I went back in the water. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. My God. So. Yeah, and then, you know, the the third one, you know, just what I tell you, what I was close to committing suicide. Right. 
you know, so I guess when you're in that at that state and you are not awakened, you're just like numb and you kind of just let life pass you by. And in those separate instances, I never really cherished that I had a second or third chance or right. a first or second chance. I just kind of went through with life. But after the fact, that's where I had more time to, to reflect and been like, holy, I, I feel very lucky and blessed that I'm still here. And, and it's because I'm still here is because I have this uh, purpose that I have to fulfill. It's not my time yet. Right. Yeah. And, and the reason why I asked you that is that I know a lot of, uh, you know, sometimes a lot of the people that recount their near-death experiences, mm-hmm. um, they kind of come back with this understanding of what's really important. Yeah. Okay. In other words, a lot of the stuff that yeah. distracts us or that society says is going to make you happy, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that's not that stuff stops being important because you have that moment of, wait a minute, mm-hmm. it's my life. And, you know, in other words, I'm wasting it. Or I've heard also that some people think, oh, when I get the car, when I get the house, when I get the boyfriend or the girlfriend, or this, that's when I'll be happy and when things will yeah. be real, in other words. Yeah. Well, after, like I said, after that third time, that third near-death experience, that's when I I really actually realized how much of a, a fucking shitstorm I was in that I needed to kind of take myself out of it. I needed to, like, wake the fuck up. And, you know, when that, like, breakup happened, like, I felt this, like this this heavy weight just totally like lifted off my yeah. shoulders and like now I can be who I was always destined to be I can right. do what I want you know what I mean without like you know being scolded or feeling selfish or whatever mm-hmm. just really explore myself and get to know myself again you know and I think right. I think you know when you get lost in a relationship what I think a lot of people do like you know they they don't know who they are they 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 think that they're that relationship yes. they're not a separate a separate entity who has these goals and passions and mm-hmm. all these different things. And I, people get lost in that. And I wanted to make sure I never get back into that same st- state again. So I made sure I made myself the object of study. Yeah. And I think another important thing I do, what I do mention in my book is one of my favorite quotes and it's uh, by Norman cousin. And it says that death is not the most tragic thing that happens in life. The most tragic thing in life that happens is what dies in us while we live. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's, yes. it's, it's so powerful because I think a lot of the times, you know, people, we don't take a step back to reflect that, like, you know, what is, what has died in me, that joy and passion is not there anymore. So, you know, if it's not there, let me take kind of take a, a moment to look at what's causing that unhappiness and what can I do to bring back that joy, that love, you know? Well, you know what? And we were talking about this earlier, Carol, where a lot, everybody makes mistakes. And by the way, I think we make mistakes until we're six feet under the ground. Yeah, oh, we yeah. make less mistakes as we get old, and, hopefully. And in our next life, too. <laughs> you know, we're like, but people somehow or other don't know how to forgive themselves and move on. In other words, accept everybody makes mistakes, some worse than others. And you take responsibility from it. You hopefully learn from it, but you don't keep whipping yourself over it forever and ever. Okay, yeah. and learn not to trust yourself. And... And that sounds like what happened with you. You mm-hmm. came to the point and you said, okay, I made this big mess of this certain areas of my life, but that's it. I'm done with that. Yeah. I'm ready to move on and I'm going to go in the direction of what makes my heart happy. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people sometimes have that 
fear because they're always scared. What if, what if I make another mistake? What if, okay, but maybe not. But I guess what I would respond to in that is I think when people start to understand that in life, uh, in life, you're, there's always going to be pain and struggle. So sure. when you already know, when you already know that and accept it, then, you know, it comes with a package, but then also not to look at pain and struggle as something as a negative thing. You should look at pain and struggle. Okay. This is going to build my character. This is going to make me stronger. And I can use that as a reference point to help me get through other kind of, you know, adversity in my life. So I think even that perspective of how people look at it is like, this is going to make me a better, better me. So I, I welcome that stuff. You right, know? exactly. Yeah. And, and and you're absolutely right because what happens is that when a situation, whatever it is, it could be anything, mm-hmm. some, sometimes it's minor, sometimes it's made. Once you face it and you overcome it or handle it, for better yeah. or worse, you handle it, you almost develop like this belief in yourself, well, which is, wow, I handled it. I took care of it. I addressed it, whatever. Maybe it was yeah. the right thing. Maybe it was the wrong one, but I did it. Uh, a lot of people step back and they don't want to engage, like you said, in difficult mm-hmm. situations. And you can't escape them. If you've got a pulse, yeah. you know, you can't escape that you're going to have moments when you're thinking, oh, I hate this or, or worse, of course. Um, but you're absolutely right. It builds character. It builds belief in yourself. And what something that we were discussing earlier that all the answers, you do have them inside of you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people have a hard time because, and I hate to say this, but society and our culture a lot of times points to outside of ourselves for answers. Yeah. You're going to get the solution outside of yourself. Exactly. And that's not the case. That's it's not the case at all. But let's face it. If you have a hard time believing in yourself as being a good source of information, somebody tells you, hey, you know the right way to handle this, you're going to go, no, I don't. <laughs> You're, you're scared. Well, you don't we, believe in yourself. We always we, we always second guess ourselves, and I think you know it's coming back to that um, self forgiveness, right? We have mm-hmm. to kind of forgive ourselves from for being so mean to ourselves. Like it's yes. crazy because the kind of conversations that I used to have about myself and say things to myself about like you're ugly, you're stupid, you're not right. good enough, like you know what I mean? You'll never make it. And it's almost like, okay, take a step back. What if you were to say that to your best friend or anybody, you would have no fucking friends at all. So it's almost like, you know, start practicing like self-love and, you know, and I think it's always tied into that not being good enough. And the thing is, and it's that, it's that inner dialogue, exactly like what you're talking about that the, I, I, a lot of times if you actually listen to your inner dialogue of how we talk to ourselves, forget a friend, you wouldn't even talk to a stranger that way. And we do that on a continuous basis. And basically we're feeding, you know, that belief. We're cementing it as far as exactly like what you said, when you call yourself stupid, when you call yourself this, or, you know, how could you do that? And um, Yeah, it's not, that doesn't help. In other words, it doesn't. Contrary to what people think that by berating themselves, they're building their themselves. And it's, you know, whether they got it from authority figures at school or at home, uh, and unfortunately, I want to say not all the time, but sometimes society makes us think that by criticizing, let's say, our children, we're making them better, you know, mm-hmm. and then we keep on doing that in our head because that's been instilled in us. I, I, and that criticizing is it, you're handicapping your kid. Oh, you know what I mean? Because yes. you're building like, you know, a lot of um, oh, 
you know what I mean, blockages in them already. You know what I mean? Like yes. in this persona or, you know what I mean? I need to be like this, this and that. And it's almost, I mean, constructive criticism is good. Exactly. It's how you deliver it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's all, I, I agree. It's all in delivery, but it can't be like, you know, again, saying you're stupid. You should be like, you know, your older sister. Or you should be like, oh, you yeah, know, like exactly. at school. He is like, you know, wins all the games or mm-hmm. he is, you know, A plus. And like, you know what? I don't really care about grades. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just, <laughs> it's not a good uh, representation or even of someone's skills and abilities because it's, it's just not. No, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. And by this, don't get me wrong, because I know a lot of people out there. By this, I'm not a big believer in giving everybody a trophy. And I'm going to explain mm. why. I think, like, let's, let's use the sports thing with a kid. Mm-hmm. A, if you're not good at that and you really like it, you're going to have to practice it at it. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? You have to. That's where kind of the tough love comes in where, yeah, you might not hit the ball as good as this kid or be a catcher. Then practice. Yeah. You know, you got to <laughs> practice it. You got to do it over and over. You know, some people are a little bit more adept than others, but you got to practice because sometimes it's almost like we were talking about. It's like a life lesson that, um, you know, you, you talk to some people, let's say about something. Oh, did you ever try that? Yeah, but I wasn't good at it. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, I tried a couple of times and I just wasn't good at it. And I was like, a couple of times? That's it? That's how quick you realize you weren't good at it? Did you ever try to do it over and over and get better, practice it? And the reason why I say this is, for example, I studied piano throughout my childhood to my teenage years. Yeah. And, you know, as you go further, like in all things, whether it's sports or something like that, you know, the more advanced you become, the more practice and more time you need to spend at it. And, you know, I would, (laughs) my teacher would always tell me, you didn't didn't practice enough. She could tell right away. But what I'm saying is that that holds true talent will only take you so far and i think sometimes that we have to remember that if you really want something bad enough you're going to have to work at it it Um, is like deliberative practice because i think you mentioned something earlier you said outlier so i you may have read uh malcolm gladwell yes i have i have yes so, you know, the, the 10,000 hours, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. if you spend in a particular profession, you can just, uh, you self-master it, right? right. But I, I also, I always believe in, um, there's a quicker, quickest point from point A to B, and is that when you have like a coach or mentor, you oh, know what I mean, yes. uh, to get you there, right? That coaching and the accountability, Absolutely. you know, uh, and someone, if you look at someone like, okay, that is actually a role model of where I tend to be. So let me kind of pick their brain or ask if they can be my mentor so I can get there and it can happen right. faster. Right. And, Absolutely. I, and I, with anything in life, it's deliberate, deliberate practice. But the, the key is consistency. You can't just yes. do it one day. Oh, I'm going to do it like, oh, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, and then I'm good. I'm like a star. No, it's every single day you schedule it in. But it, again, it's, it takes a lot of practice. And, right. and or, or like if you do something a couple of times and you suck at it, yeah. it's like, of course, <laughs> what you think? Yeah. <laughs> and you said it earlier, you know, sometimes people, people on the outside, you know, they're, whether they're a virtuoso or they're really intelligent or they've got a talent that you're seeing maybe the end result of a lot of hours mm-hmm. or time spent and working at it. Mm-hmm. And, and, let me tell you something. Even most experts will tell you there's never a point here when you're really done. No. There's always a, there's always a momentum, and 
that's also a good way to tell if you're onto your passion, which is, yeah, there's going to be days when you're like tired and like, oh, I don't want to do yeah. this. But most of the time you want to do this. You're happy to do this. It, yeah. it does something for you. So, I mean, there's, there's, and there's a lot of, and, and I understand exactly what you mean by a mentor or somebody that coaches you because this is the person that, you know, when you start like going off a little bit on your, on a that kind of pushes you back, like, or, you know, or sometimes that, you know, we kind of like do this narrow type of rigid thinking mm-hmm. and they're the person that says, okay, well, have you considered this or that? And then it's kind of like shakes you up a little bit to look at alternatives to whatever yeah. it might be or yeah. to pull back and say, man, cut yourself some slack. You're being a little bit too hard on yourself also. Yeah. Cause the important thing is uh, for people to recognize too, is that, you know, the same mind that created the problem cannot be the same mind that solves it. So exactly. you need that kind of, outer perspective, you know, not unless you you're able to change states, like in, you know, if you're really frazzled and able to calm yourself down through like breathing or meditation, and then kind of look at the situation be like, okay, I can have a firm grip on it. But sometimes it's it's always good to, you know, ask for help. And I think that's another thing too. people be like, I can go on out on my own, but there's no harm in asking for help. You know, if I'm stuck on something, or, or, um, you know what I mean, I'm feeling, um, you know, down on something, I, I'm not afraid to reach out because another person's perspective can shed some light rather than sitting in the dark, you know, in this turmoil and like, again, going through the suffering cycle, you know? Right. Exactly. And you know what part of, that's how a a, a lot of how group therapy works, for example, whatever the, whatever, or, or counseling groups or, you know, whatever, because sometimes people seem to lock themselves into this belief that they are the only ones that are going through this or mm-hmm. they feel isolated. And yeah. I mean, yes, usually there's maybe somebody overseeing the group, but sometimes when you hear other people that have had similar experiences and how they handle it or they mm-hmm. give you feedback, it makes you feel better. I hate to say it. You feel better. In other words, yeah. that it becomes bearable. And, you know, if let's say if it's not a group thing, if you have what let's say let's use the word coach let's not go into yeah. anything having to do let's say per se with mental health that you have a coach um and we were talking about this as i think as long as you know that this person's there to help you to coach you but not to tell you every step of the way mm-hmm. which is a lot of people sometimes like we were talking about they're afraid of making mistakes again they don't have that much trust in their judgment mm-hmm. so they kind of start looking at this other person like Okay, tell me, is this okay? Is that right? You know, and it's like, but that's not really what they're supposed to do. And you, you're a coach, right? Have you run across that sometimes with clients, where it's too much hand holding and you have to like say, "Fly, little bird, fly." Well, I, I think it's a progressive, you know what I mean? Because I think essentially they need that kind of hand holding in the mm-hmm. beginning. But you have to, you know, let them make their own mistakes. And there's nothing yes. wrong with mistakes. That's when you, you learn. So you kind of, you hold the reins a little bit and then slowly, progressively, you you see them grow and transform. And, and, and essentially, if you are like intuitive, you kind of already know what they need. And if they have a certain goal and trajectory, you know how to... Um, aligned with the advice of where they're going you know right and no no client or no person is the same 
has their own customizable path. But I think essentially they need, uh, I think most of the time it's mindset. You know, because a lot yes. of people feel like, okay, I need uh, help in, say, marketing or I need help in, like, you know, some other aspect of their business. But basically, it's all about shifting that perspective. And I think that's the most important, the, the mindset. That's mostly the majority of the, t- the time that we work with. Well, I work with me and my business partner and clients is the mindset. Right, exactly. Which, yeah. And we were talking about this earlier as well, which we are very resistant to change. Mm-hmm. Despite yeah. logically saying, I need to change, I think change is better, or this isn't working anymore, when you start thinking of what it's going to take to get to what you're thinking, your subconscious mm-hmm. mind, which is very resistant to change, will sabotage a lot of times our efforts in the sneakiest ways, by the way, Yeah, to keep I you think where you're at. Yeah, I know like change is the only constant, but I, I think you know people are welcome to change. They just don't want to be changed. You know, I think when it's imposed on someone, like I don't like things being imposed on me. So if Mm -hmm. I'm trying to impose on someone else, they're going to resist it. So it's almost like you want to change. How do you intend on doing that? Or how can I help facilitate that change and growth? So there's different approaches to it. It's like, you got to fucking change because your life is shit, right? Right, (laughs) exactly. Okay, fine, how do I do that? But like, oh, 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 you're a bit too much. So instead it's like, okay, let's kind of try to flip the script with a lot of things that are happening. You know, how do you think, foresee this happening that's beneficial to you? You know, instead of being like so pushy. Right, and and, and now we're, I'm going to go into the, I know you're a psychic and a clairvoyant, and I'm going to, (laughs) let's go, let's, Let's put a, put a foot in that camp. Okay. And the reason why I say this is, you know, here we're talking about change. Mm-hmm. And I've had clients who, like you said, they're resistant to change. They want to. And then we, I start going, okay, let's, let's work this also on a metaphysical level. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's tell the universe that you're ready to change. I want you to go home and change your bedroom furniture around. Or your living room furniture. I don't care. Whatever. Whatever makes you happy. I want you to yeah. switch things out. I want you to change that little bit. And this is the, especially for the ones that are hanging on tight, like, no, I don't <laughs> want to change. No, you know, like they want everything like, and I tell them, let's start with that. Because sometimes it's yeah. like what you were saying, the baby steps, because we're, and this is where we get into the metaphysical psychic approach that. In other words, to manifest also what it is that you want to bring about. Mm-hmm. How do you work as far as with, with the psychic part of what you do, Carol? Well, I, I th- I, it's kind of that state of being open, mm-hmm. you know. And I think you can ask for certain things and the universe will bring it to you. Right. However, you have to act upon it. You can't yes. just be like, oh, I want this... Uh, you know what I mean? This job or whatever to fall on my lap. But mm-hmm. meanwhile, you haven't put out a resume. You're not fucking looking. So right. it's, it's kind of part and partial. It has to be aligned with action and belief. And I think uh, what people fail to understand that we are all divinely guided yes. in our own path in life. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with uh, being a psychic and convorant, I was uh, one of my mentors at the time. I said, you know, I want to be I want to be spiritually advanced. And he said, the only way you can be spiritually advanced, you, you shouldn't read books. You shouldn't do any of that stuff. But you need to do psychic readings. And I was like, yeah, right. Me do psychic readings. Come on. That's okay. a, you know, a bunch of sh- bull shit or horse manure or whatever. Yeah. Uh huh. 
I mean, I never knew I had those capabilities, right? So okay. it just so happened I did my first psychic reading and I didn't know uh, what, you know, what it was or like, you know, a psychic who doesn't read or has no background in that. But things unfolded naturally. I, I knew how to see people's auras when I was in that state, read past lives, okay. you know what I mean? Be able to uh, them to ask questions and I see the interpretation of like images and everything like that, which I have to kind of convey in like, you know, um, a way that they can understand, right? But yes. the, the, the reason why I bring that up is that, you know, I was wanting to be spiritually advanced, but I already was. It's just that, that moment of being like, I, I, I was already. You know right. what I mean? And I think uh, when people come from the, the um, point of being like, if they want certain things in their life, you know, source and spirit will give it to you. You have to just be in that abundant state. You yes. know what I mean? What can you uh, do in that day to uh, feel abundant or be grad uh, have gratitude for? You know, be grateful that you have a roof over your head. You can take a hot shower. You have food in the fridge. And you, we deal with all these, you know, we talked about earlier, these first yes. world problems. You know what I mean? It pales into comparison when you actually see someone else from across the world ha has nothing. Right. But they're even more joyful than we are. So how does that right. make sense? It doesn't make sense at all. So it's almost... To start to attract things that you want in life, you really have to be grateful for where you are. And then if you want other things, you know, it's um, like attracts like. So if you want Absolutely. a person in life, embody those characteristics and you start to become a magnet and things will unfold, uh, unfold for you. Right. And, and, and you're absolutely right that sometimes, and, and I'm, I'm going to put this one on society. When I say society as in yeah. the society you live in. I think mm -hmm. a lot of times we get bombarded with mm -hmm. all these messages that you need this to be happy. You need that to be happy. If you don't have this or that or you don't live in this house or you're not, you can't be happy. You know, there's a lot of advertising, marketing companies out there that make a lot of money by mm -hmm. pitching it a certain way. And mm -hmm. people believe it. God knows we take in a lot of either through television or through other messaging. We take it in and mm -hmm. we, we start to believe it. And the, the truth is that real, there's a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of stuff that are very unhappy. And yes. there's people, like you said, that as long as you've got your basic stuff, they're very happy. Yeah, cause I, and I think, you know, the, um, there has to be an integration of a personal development and spiritual yes. development. Because I think a lot of the time, a lot of people go just on one route of like personal development. But I, I find like I, I went through that same route myself. I just focus, focus so on personal development, mind mastery, self mastery and all the other stuff. But I still felt this void. And it wasn't until I really understood, okay, like I am this spiritual aspect and I'm this humanistic aspect. So right. once I was able to integrate that together, I felt like whole, right? And I started looking at things differently. And I think, you know, when people don't really know who they are, they're made in the, the image and likeness of, you know, a higher power. So when yes. they already know yes. that, then it's almost like, you know, your infinite being, you don't really need to connect yourself with all the material things. And right. it goes back to what we talked about earlier about like, the waking the fuck up, which I describe as the, the moment you realize that you were asleep. And that goes back to knowing yourself, going into uh -huh. yourself, making yourself a, a self, um, making yourself a point of study. And I think when you know yourself that fully and know that you're spiritual and a physical being, then most of those things are going to not really matter. But uh, however, I'm not saying that material gain is bad. 
No, I'm not saying that at all. I, I do. I think, you know, to be abundant. I, and I think that's another topic sure. of discussion. I think to be spiritual is to be poor. I think that's fucking. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. I think. That, yeah. Because I think if you are spiritual, it's just, you have to be abundant in all aspects of your life. Right. So, yeah. Well, but and, and, and it's true. I, I absolutely. I think that. Let me tell you, um, I have no guilt whatsoever that. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I live under circumstances, like you said, mm -hmm. where I have shelter, good, not only food, good food to eat, yeah. <laughs> safe, you know, all those things. Absolutely. I don't take it for granted, but, you know, and I think that the human spirit always needs something to strive for. Yes. However, my, my thing is where the belief comes in that if you don't have certain things or live a certain life then you cannot, how could you be happy? You, you understand? <laughs> Where all of a sudden, all your effort is aimed at that acquisition or whatever it is that you've been, that you believe. And how I've learned of a lot of people that come to that point and they're like, I'm here, I got it. I reached the peak of Everest, whatever. <laughs> and it, it's not like, okay, this is it. What happened? I'm supposed to be now jumping for joy. And it's like, because that's it's, it's such a, it's, a, it's such a, an empty thing because yes. you know when you when you tie your identity with a, a material thing exactly. it's very like formless it's it lacks substance so you're going to exactly. be continually trying to feed yourself with more material things more, more material things and this is no wonder why you know those famous celebrities commit suicide because yes. they're not able to uh, either look within express with repress because if you're not able to express with repress how can you start to begin to heal Right, yeah. and I and I also think, and I'm sure you've come across it that, mm -hmm. like in all things, you need to have whether you want to call it harmony, balance, yeah, in your life, as in all extremes and anything are bad. Mm -hmm. You know, if if and, and you have, I know you have a background in psychology. Anybody that's done mental health, whenever you start going into any type of extreme in human behavior, mm -hmm. you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Whether it's not doing or doing too much or think you're you're in hot water when you go start going mm -hmm. into extremes. So I think the happiest human beings, which is by the end, as far as I'm concerned, that's really what we all yeah. want. It's just to be happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, is when you have that balance, that harmony within different parts of your life, whether it's like you said, I'm striving to acquire maybe certain position or certain material things for myself or my family. But I also have integrated a spiritual belief or system or whatever you want into my life so that there's a part of me which yeah. is beyond the material stuff, the stuff that we need to live. I mean, we're made of different things. I think that once we kind of juggle everything more or less, that mm -hmm. it's even is when we have the best chance of being happy because yeah. when you ignore that part of your life as human beings and just concentrate on one, and by this for example, let's let's go the opposite direction. The the people mm -hmm. that want to be a hermit in the mountain, <laughs> and because they're going to be enlightened and you know they're starving, it's like yeah. I'm sorry. I I personally don't think that's the way you're going to get enlightened. Mm -hmm. I think that you get enlightened by engaging in life that you, where you're at right now, whatever it is, yeah. your situation, engaging with it, and like you said, dealing with the ups and the downs, yeah, the best way you can and. You know, on a day-to-day -day basis, which, by the way, one of the 
And I don't know if you've come across this where, you know, sometimes we, with this multitasking thing that we got going on sometimes, <laughs> that people get too much into the multitasking and it's like, do everything within 24 hours and then like when tomorrow comes around, you do that. Mm -hmm. And I think also because in our modern world with so much technology where everybody's supposed to have instant access to you, like I say to people, we know once upon a time in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away, yeah. you maybe had a phone <laughs> and this was even before they had answering machines mm -hmm. and you called somebody and you didn't expect Instaperson. And I yeah. think that puts a lot of pressure sometimes on us as human beings that we have to be available all the time or on, I guess is my all the time. Yeah. Um, but I guess that again, uh, the ability to say no yes. and the ability to know that you have choices, right? Yes. So again, instead of being like, if you're strong within yourself and you know what works for you and what doesn't just say, no, you know, I don't have to be on Facebook all the time. I don't yes. need to be on Instagram and everything. And that's the funny thing is, it's like, if I honestly, if I didn't write this book, I actually wouldn't be on any social media platforms, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's right. almost like, you know, that you have like a, a purpose and you want to do something to raise human consciousness. Right. Well, which will intend, um, potentially like, you know, help this world and make it a better place, then you know you have to kind of step out of that sideline and step into the spotlight, even though you don't want to, but it's for the greater purpose, right? Right, exactly. So I know I, I put myself in, you know, that kind of predicament, but I know it's for the greater good. But you understand, right? but see, you have a good understanding yeah. of what's going on as to yes. why you do that. And, and you made a very good point. There's people out there that are continuously, and I mean continuously, glued to uh social media whether it's facebook or twitter or whatever mm -hmm. and like you know what happened to the face-to-face -face stuff <laughs> yeah and and that's funny you said uh, mentioned that because i was having a conversation uh yesterday about how social media isn't really social right no, it's not it's not you're it's absolutely not. right yeah. And so that's why I created like uh, the wake the fuck up movement. Okay. So I, I meet with um, uh, members. Uh, well, I don't like to call them members. I kind of, I like to call them the wake the fuck up family members. Cause they're <laughs> like, you know, family, cause it's a, you know, you attract all these different individuals. So basically what that movement is for is to help people wake the fuck up, but okay. then most importantly to provide a platform for people to be able to kind of be, be heard and to be okay. able to express themselves so they can go through their own transformation. So I have like topics and everything like that um, every week and oh, I get perfect. the members involved and I let them teach because it's not about me at all. It's about like the whole, you know, movement and to be able to give people a voice and let people learn from one another. Because I think when oh. we start to learn, we realize that we don't there's so much more that we need to learn and it, we shouldn't just always want to take the spotlight it's almost like i can teach but i can learn too so sure. you know and i think it's very important because a lot of people that come there it's like you know the, when i hear you know feedback it's like i feel like this is home or this i love coming here it kind of lifts my vibration every week that's the human connection that's really lacking yes uh, communication is a lost art you know everybody interacts with these like um social platforms but Again, there's that element of missing element of human connection. And then that's where we can really flourish. So it's almost like take time to, you know, put away that social stuff and connect with someone. Go out for yes. coffee and have a face-to-face -face communication, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what we continue to do because I think the more and more 
people use social media, the more and more they can hide behind it oh, and, sure. and kind of just put out this uh, uh, facade that like I'm this being, but really at the back and like I'm hurting, I'm lonely, I actually have no one to talk to. So exactly. instead of going, you know, feel like that, just, you know, get outside and join a meetup or just don't yeah, be join alone. a meetup. And, yeah, and I think that also part of it, and I hate to say it, yeah. even though, you know, you hear a lot of about, about cyberbullying and got horrible stories having to do with social media. Mm -hmm. But I think also some people, and let's face it, I, th I don't think there's, we all have some level of insecurity. We all, yeah. we all do. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people, they fear rejection or they've, they almost think that, you know, that face-to-face -face meeting, they start going through this thing in their mind. What if the person doesn't like me? What if they think I'm dumb? What if they think I'm stupid? So I won't go. Who fucking cares? <laughs> right. But they have a, such a hard time getting to that and realizing, guess what? There's going to be a lot of people that might not like you and vice versa. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. The world will keep on spinning. Yeah. But I guess the one thing, like for people who are listening right now that are, are scared of, you know, that human interaction or scared mm -hmm. of what people think, the only way to break through something is to go through it. Yes. You know, I, I, I've been through a lot of those kind of scenarios myself. Like I get into a situation I'm like, Ugh, I don't like that way that makes me feel like I feel right. like, you know, insecure. I feel like, oh, I feel like, you know, a high school kid again. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but in order for myself to kind of break through that, I made myself go through it continuously to be like, you know what, this doesn't phase me anymore. And so in order to, yeah, just go through it and break through it and then use that as a starting point and keep on building that muscle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and just, I'm, need, just need to take that first step. I'm, I'm going to give my own real life example. Yeah. When I was in my early 30s, it was after my divorce, I decided to get into distance cycling. Okay. Oh, okay. And, you know, <laughs> these are the ones that most of the times they, they – you know, they use some charity, you know, the proceeds, whatever. And I was intimidated. I've been wanting to do it, but I always looked at these people, you know, with the ultra sleek, lightweight bikes <laughs> yeah. and the helmets, you know, the wind, they're like all like with their cleats. And I had a friend of mine that worked with me. She goes, oh, come on, let's do it. I've got, as a matter of fact, we used to call her bike Pee Wee's bike because it was like <laughs> a three speed from Sears with a bunch of crap on it. Yeah. And she said, don't worry, let's do it. Just come with me. And I did it with her just because, of mm -hmm. course, that was with my friend. But anyway, the moral of the story is I was under always that fear. Oh, they're going to look at me, all these athletes, you know. And when you get there, you realize nobody cares. Yes, yeah, those, nobody cares because nobody everybody's cares. thinking the same shit you are. They're and I had a great like, time. Hey, I wasn't people. out there to get, yeah. you know, uh, on a time. I was more for the endurance, you know. Yeah. Uh, as far as that, I actually crossed several hours later, you know, <laughs> at the end of it. Um, and it was fun. And I realized, yes, as a matter of fact, some, a lot of those guys were really, really nice mm -hmm. and, and everything. And it was great. And I had a good time and nobody was looking at me and it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter. But before that I had thought, oh my God, I'm going to look so stupid on my regular old mountain bike. And these guys with these thousand dollar bikes you know, mm -hmm. and I want to say guys, because the majority of them were guys. You had some women drone in there, but the majority of these, uh, that they, I mean, 30 minutes later, they were at the finish, you know. Mm -hmm. And after a while, I learned all the rules and I enjoyed it. I did it. I did it for many, many years going even in, as my endurance went up, I even did 150 mile two day bike ride. But what mm -hmm. I'm saying is that if I would have let that fear of judgment and what are they thinking I would never have done it and I would have done myself a big disservice.
because it was something I really enjoyed. I still enjoy it, not as much as I should because, but it was great. And I realized exactly what you said. There's no spotlight, no Hollywood spotlight coming out from the sky going, look, look at her. Look what she's doing. (laughs) Nobody cares. Everybody's into their own thing. Yeah, because I think too, like we constantly play these stories in our minds. You know what I mean? And I, and I think, you know, uh, talking to um, this fella and he says, you know, assumptions is the motherfuckers of all screw ups. Yes. So, you know, we assume that they're thinking of us this way, that way. But, you know, we think the spotlight's on us. But when we go into the room, no one gives a fuck because they're thinking the same thing. Right. So whenever you're looking at a situation, you're making all these damn assumptions about how this thing is going to unfold, you know, make a uh, do an experiment. Try to prove yourself wrong by getting clarity. You know, and, uh-huh. and do that in every different aspect in yourself, because I think, you know, when we meet somebody, I'm like, oh, this person doesn't like me. Uh, I think they look, you know, they think I'm this, this and that way. But, you know, kind of test yourself and prove yourself wrong and actually have a conversation. And you'll know, in fact, that like, OK, this was just all the stories in my mind. Yes. You know? Yes. And you're absolutely right, because sometimes I say, folks, believe it or not, sometimes <laughs> you don't even remember what you ate last Friday. Nine times out of 10, these people that you think will forever and ever remember what happened, what you said, what you did and what you look like, they don't care. They don't even remember. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Even sometimes I want to say embarrassing things that happen to people. Mm -hmm. Think about it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Most of the times we're really kind of like all as far as durable memories, things having to do with us or with people like close friends or family. Mm -hmm. But we we're we're i want to say we're the center of our own universes so a lot of times that like you said that story that we got going up in our head that everybody there will know us and remember forever and ever what happened what we said what we didn't or whether they didn't like us Mm -hmm. that's that's a fable it doesn't really exist yeah and i think a, a key element to kind of lessening that is to not take ourselves seriously. Oh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, laugh at yourself. I, yes. I to, oh my I God. Yes. Stupid shit every now and then, you know, yes. uh, and I just laugh about it. Like, you know, you have to put, like, I put a lot of yes. like humor and everything I do. I'm like, Oh, Carol, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> no, but yeah, just be lighthearted and just don't take yourself seriously. Yes. Yeah. It's when pe- it's when you, you and other people start taking themselves seriously. Like everything is monumental. Everything is, Oh, uh, and like you said, the levity kind of put things back in perspective like wait a minute okay yeah I'll I'll tell you actually a funny story about like you know something stupid I did like I had a uh I had a like in one of my meetups like because me and me and um uh a lady or one of my friends were talking about the course that we are gonna put up you know it's about um you know self-love and you know how you know uh, I think topics to talk about topics that people are shying away from like you know how to practice self-love and like how to like have like an orgasm that kind of stuff right Right, so we're talking about it before the meetup was happening and the topic of that meeting uh meetup was you know adopting a plant-based diet so here i am (laughs) i'm talking about you know you animal agriculture it caused so much like you know uh harmful emissions more than the transportation system more than this and it's like you know uh deforestation and all this other stuff and then all of a sudden i just said pussy <laughs> nowhere <laughs> i just yelled it and then i'm like i put my hands in my head i'm like why the hell did i say that but because i was having that conversation beforehand uh-huh. and every and everybody in the room just started cracked up laughing because right. it's a safe environment right exactly 
But even like, you know, if it would have been me like several years ago, I probably would have ran out of the room like cause of embarrassment. But I just like, you know what? That was the most funniest shit ever. Exactly. So we all just laugh at it. Exactly. And that's the yeah. thing. You know, we almost like, you know, when you're in high school, that like, yeah, everything to you is like the end of the world kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you're not in high school anymore. Um, yeah. And I think that, especially if you talk sometimes to old people, mm-hmm. you know, they, they'll tell you. If they had any regrets, usually it's tied around things they didn't do for fear of embarrassment, uh, fear of what other people think. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not that they screwed up. And, you know, most of the time the regret is tied into what they didn't do or risked because of those certain things. Realizing, man, I was my own worst enemy in not doing it, whatever it was, whatever the case might be. It's not that they actually failed. Sometimes I hate to say it. I mean, nobody likes to fail, let's face it. But it's almost like I tried it. I did it. Mm -hmm. But I did it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and if you take yourself too seriously, then you're always going to be scared of, oh, my God, it'll be so embarrassing. What if I look back? What if I fail? What if I screw up in front of people? Of all things. But it's almost like, you know what I mean? This too shall pass. You know what I mean? And it's like... Again, don't be so hard on yourself. Like, I know I'm going to continually make uh, mistakes. I'm probably going to still end up doing stupid shit, but I'm okay with it yes. because I like to explore. Uh, but a key point is since I've been able to allow myself to have um, self-exploration uh, and I allow myself to kind of, you know, try this, try that, I actually live my life right now with no regrets at all. You right. know what I mean? And, and that's the, I don't know how many people can say that because the not thing many. is, I think not many at all. Cause I think even as, as females, we have this, um, we, we are placed in a box in a sense that, you know, as a female, we are only supposed to have certain roles yes. and if we are a, a profession, a professional, like say a coach, you know, you have mm-hmm. to act a certain way. But the thing is that's so limiting because we are such multifaceted beings, right? And so we have to be able to, uh, explore and test those different areas so and i think that's a a big thing that people don't know about themselves it's like you're not just that mom yes you're not just this accountant you're not this teacher that's Mm -hmm. not just your role you're so much more than that so it's almost like look into all those other areas your skills your strengths and start to explore that because we pigeonhole ourselves into this one area but you know we are kind of vast we're like our small own little universe and the universe of things so you know we're we're magnificent beings and i think people forget of course exactly and and i agree um sometimes we're sometimes it's society sometimes it's our family Mm -hmm. you know sometimes we get conditioned like you said expectations uh and we kind of sometimes it's like okay guess what you can be all these things yeah and it's okay. You can you, you and and I do believe also as far as happiness is concerned, we have to be more fluid. Sometimes mm-hmm. when we get into very rigid thinking, like what you're describing, oh, if I do, I gotta do, you know. And there's let's. I'm gonna use the example of being a mom. Mm-hmm. God knows, yeah. uh, I was, I am a mother of three. Yeah. And especially when your kids are younger, you know that 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 they demand your attention and your protection, mm-hmm. and you know, you have. If you're a responsible parent, you realize that decisions you make affect your children. 
Mm-hmm. But, and I'm going to talk as a woman, you know, a lot of times we keep thinking that to be a good mom, that's got to be the 24-7 thing. And in a way it is. And I know that sometimes when you take time for yourself to be the person you were before you became a mom, it's like, what's wrong with you? You find, kind of feel guilty about you're it. You're selfish. You're selfish, right? Like Right. Like you're selfish. What are you doing? You know, you're that. And it's like, no, because the truth is that even if we don't want to admit it, if we never pull back and take that time for ourselves to be that person we were before we became, you kind of become resentful, even with your own kids. If yeah. you take the time to do whatever it is that you need for yourself, you're much better able to cope with all the things that, let's say, being a mother. It could be anything else. I'm just using that as an example. You, you're better at it. You don't become resentful. You deal with the shit that happens better. And also, like what you said, that you have a sense of humor about it. Like, yeah. okay, um, this is, the, like you said, this two show pass. This is, okay, maybe this is just a bad day. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow it'll be better. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of people out there that they're very rigid in their thinking that if they mm-hmm. don't fulfill that role, whatever it is, whether it was put there by the mm-hmm. family, society, colleagues sometimes, and inside that, that uh, desire or they're out of balance, in other words. Yeah, and I I think that's so important that you mentioned that as a a mother and having kids and having that time for yourself, because I think, you know, just with the analogy, like when you're on a plane, what do they tell you to do? You have to put on your own life mask first before you help someone else. And I think what people fail to to recognize, you do have to be selfish in order for you to be like a better better mom, a wife, uh, you know, a sister, a daughter or whatever. You have to take care of yourself first by giving yourself that energy. So when you take care of yourself first then you're able to give that energy to other people and it's not being um well yeah okay you have to be a little bit selfish but it's for the greater good you know what's wrong with you taking time out of yourself if you are taking care of the household yeah you know what's an hour for yourself a day to you know do what you love go to yoga go shopping or whatever Whatever. it is Whatever. whatever you love to do just take that time out of yourself so you can reflect and recharge because there's nothing worse than having a drained battery and just living in misery right and what's most important is no guilt attached to it no guilt because if you do it and you're in the back of your mind like oh this is so bad oh i'm a bad mother oh you know it's like no stop it there's nothing wrong with it on the contrary you need this to be a better mother because let's put it you're in there for years or for a lifetime really because i can say from my own personal experience even when your children are adults, you're never off the hook. <laughs> you never are. You know, your worries are different as an, as for them as adults, even though you're not, you don't have that same like responsibility. You mm-hmm. still worry. They're still your children, whatever, you know what. But what I'm saying is that you're, you're in it for years and years and years. And if you, it's almost like, you know, when they have memories, like you can bury it, but you're not getting rid of it. And yeah. when you don't have, when you're that, that lopsided responsibility is overwhelms everything in your life. And and I've heard of, you know, that's what happens. Some, some women, they just, what do they call? They lose it. They, because <laughs> yeah. it's like they, they never learn and mm-hmm. to do what it is that you're describing that. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I think another important thing, cause if you're looking at it, like, 
oh, you know, I'm a mother, I want to take care of my kids, and I just have to give them all to myself. Yes. I, I think, you know, the perspective that you have to look at it, you know, kids are very intuitive, they smart, yeah. they can pick up on a lot of things. So what they actually really see is that, okay, yeah. mom is actually giving up herself in order to fulfill yeah. our needs. So in a sense, when I grow up, that means, and I'm, if I'm in certain relationships, that I have to people please other people right. in the cost of my own. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Costing my own um, desires and needs. And that's not really healthy because it's almost like if they see mom is like, you know, oh, mom, like she's kind of, you know, taking that uh, new course that she wants. She's actually, you know, going mm -hmm. out with her friends more. She's doing her. It's like, oh, I can I can express and do what I want. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't always have to keep myself back. Yes. Uh, you know, to please others. And I think that that's another perspective that people need to, you know, pay attention to as what sure. they think they're doing, which is a greater good or good for the family may actually be causing harm. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I consider I was very lucky. I grew up in a very good family in the sense of they gave me what I think most children crave, which is stability, love, you know, protection from, you know, they, they I was secure. In other words, I had a family that protected me and took care of me. And by the way, it has nothing to do with money. And I think about it because sometimes we think that children to be happy, they have to be the center of attention and both parents have to be hovering over them. And I think that's BS. Because I remember I was part of my family and I knew that I was going to have enough to eat and that I had rules and yeah. that I went to school and I was taken care of and I wasn't exposed to things that were meant for adults. In other words, I knew that adults protected me, the adults in my family, my mother and everything protected me from stuff whether it was physical danger or I wasn't exposed to things that weren't I wasn't weren't age appropriate for me yeah and I think that that's what most human beings as children need when they mm -hmm. grow up I didn't have my mother there 24 7 are you okay what do you want baby yeah. it's like my mom you know she was working she was doing anything but I knew she was there you know and mm -hmm. I knew my family was around and I think that and I had my place in that family dynamic whatever and I think mm -hmm. that's what Sometimes we overdo it also that's with, with children as far as that later on it bites parents mm -hmm. in the butt because then you have a teenager, an adolescent, a teenager, a young adult who's thinking, why aren't you doing this for me, mom? <laughs> yeah, and, and that cre creates a, a larger problem because they go out into the, the workforce yes. and the world being like entitled you know, yes. and it's like, mm -hmm. this actually should be given to me because everything yes. in my life has growing up, my parents gave to me. So I, I need this just hand it over in a silver platter, but it doesn't work that way. And I think, you know, just describing how you were brought up, that's great because you, you had boundaries, but you were right. still able and free to roam. Yeah. You weren't being kind of, um, no. you know, suffocated, basically. No. You know, I had, you know, like I said, I had my boundaries and I had things that I couldn't do and rules. And despite how children complain, they all need it and they love it and they want it because they understand that 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 is their role within the family. This is part of the protection that mm -hmm. that comes with it. And um, I mean, I, I don't know if you've run across uh, clients like this yet who they have a moment of reality, like you said, when they go out into the world whether it's college or they move away from home and then the real world doesn't deal with them the way mom and dad used to. And they're like, huh, what do you mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's just that protection, right? They think they're protecting, but they're they're handicapping their kids, yes. right? So yes. you, I, I run across that a lot of times, whether it's like kind of clients or whether, you know, the, the people, you know, I meet, because I think, you know, there's a difference between being people being responsible to and for you. So, yes. I mean, a lot of the time we feel that, other people are responsible for our success and failure, yes. but people need to understand your life and how it turns out. You are the only one that are responsible for it. No yes. one else. You mm. cannot blame nobody. You know, now, a lot so of people have a hard that, time with that. Yeah. But you know, I'm sorry to brush your fucking bubble people. <laughs> yes, <that's laughs> exactly. And it is, it is, it is. That's a hard you know, one. That is. Life is uh, it will turn out and you're the one that's only responsible. You can't blame other people. You yes. want your life like at X, Y, and Z, then you're the one that's responsible to get it as X, Y, and Z. Not your your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, you know what I mean? The government or anything like that. Only you. And that's, you know what, that's a hard one because the blame game, which is, yeah. and sometimes, especially, um, you know, regardless, sometimes, sometimes, don't get me wrong, I know some people sometimes have had tough beginnings in life. For whatever reason, things happen. Their family of origin was toxic. Whatever. Mm -hmm. It's everybody's thing. And then you get to the point that you ask yourself, so what is your story going to be? Yeah. Uh, you Because believe it or not, you're the one that's going to make that story happen one way or the other. Exactly. Now, are you going to be like what you described? I'm going to blame everything and everybody under the sun. You know, tough beginnings. Um family that wasn't the best or circumstances mm -hmm. or tough breaks things that happen to people some worse than others and that's going to set the tone of the rest of your life for not getting you know what i wanted or i wasn't as beautiful as smart as lucky as what else all the reasons that we give for just saying forget it i'm not going to really try mm -hmm. and and, and you've made a very good point, Carol, that ultimately it is our responsibility. It is. It is. Regardless of, and, it, and it's a tough one. It is. Especially it is, when you screw up. It's a really tough pill to swallow. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, uh, you, know, uh, we, you know, I have discussions with, like, my business partner and everything. And, and, and another one of our mentors is, like, you come in this life alone. You're born as a baby alone. And then when you die, you die alone and you're your casket or whatever. So when you know that, then it's like, you know, I am the one responsible for my successes and failures. And, you know what I mean? And take ownership of that. No one yes. wants to take ownership of their shit. And it's like, you know what, if you, because uh, uh, people always want to be the victim, right? Oh, yeah. But, but don't be a victim. Be a, a victor of your circumstance. Yes. Flip the script on it. You don't need to be a victim. And I, I think is, you know, when people are in a victim mode, I think another, like, you know what I mean, uh, smack across the fucking faces, you know, People like being in misery because they like the attention that they get. Oh, sure. Unfortunately, right? yes. Yes. So misery loves company. So it's like, yes. oh, my God, I went through all this crazy shit. You know, I want you to feel sorry for me because that makes yes. me feel better. And it's like, come on, give me a fucking break. Really? That, that's not that's not resourceful. And I think when you kind of compare a lot of people that have been through so many tra 
tragedies mm-hmm. in life. Yes. You know, I look at my own life in general, like it's not just like near death that, you know, in all different aspects, like uh, death, like relationship, like how my family, like career and like, you know, having to be like arrested and charged for things that, you know what I mean? There's so much bullshit that I went through, but then I, uh, I have a choice how I want to perceive that yes. situation. You know, uh, Shakespeare says that there's nothing either good or bad, but thinking that makes it so. So exactly. if you know that, you, if you know that analogy, then it's almost like, is this really good or bad? Mm, you know what I mean? The Depends on how you want to interpret it. Exactly. So your, your own interpretation, your own perspective. And I think no matter what experiences you have, good or bad, I think just as a, uh, just as long as you're able to extract a lesson, uh-huh. then nothing is bad. Because that, right. again, that lesson is growth, right? And it gives you, prepares you for another uh, situation or hardship that comes in your life. Right. Yeah. And I, and you made a and I hate to say it, but lately, especially, there's been, there's a, what I want to call the victim circuit. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are times where, where if you have been victimized, whatever, yeah. there is a moment. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from, but even then it's, you cannot be forever the victim. In other words, it's- there comes a point where, what, depending on what the situation was, of course, that, okay, that come then you got to move on. But some people, like you said, always want to be on that victim track for mm-hmm. the sympathy. Plus, let's face it, when somebody's identified as a victim, you expect less of them. You know, mm-hmm. you got to cut them a break because they're victims. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is when you get to the point that you say enough of this. And in other words, they're this glorifying sometimes of victimhood I think that's doing a big disservice to society because yeah. I, the, the truth is the last thing you want to be is a victim. Sometimes exactly. it happens. There's things that are out of your control that you find yourself there. But in truth, that is really the last thing you want to be. And once you're there, you want to do everything possible within your power to get out of it. Yeah. Out of that state of mind, physical, whatever. And move towards in a in a gradual process because I'm not going to say you. It's not like a light switch that you wake up and then you go. I'm all good now, but at least mm-hmm. you start going in that direction little by little, day by day, doing whatever it takes, whatever the situation was, to not be the victim or not to feel victimized anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, I I think another important aspect to mention is that you know we have so many different emotions that we go through, you know, good ones and bad ones. Like, you know, when we do feel like a victim or we feel sad, anxiety and and pain and all this other stuff, there's nothing wrong with feeling those emotions, but just don't stay in them. All right. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? What What is it when you have, what is it (laughs) when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. So, okay. You know, (laughs) go shopping. This is the thing. It's not like you like, you know, like, all right, like, Okay, that's fine. There's moments, absolutely, when you feel sorry for yourself. And you have your little pity party. And don't get me wrong. There are things sometimes, there's minor stuff, Mm -hmm. like you said, because we take things too seriously. Other times it's major things Mm -hmm. that there is no way to escape it except to endure it, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Um, But there's always that thing of the light at at the end of the tunnel. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of variables there. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, yes, that there's a point in time where you got to, like we were talking about earlier, you got to be kind to yourself also, depending exactly. on what the circumstances are. But then there comes a point where, let's face it, you're the only one inside of your skin and in your head where you got to yeah. tell yourself, okay, 
that's it. We got to start moving in another direction now. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And like you said, sometimes you enlist the help of whether it's a coach or psychologist or -hmm. a good friend. Yeah, I I think even maybe sometimes it's just that just even having a discussion with someone, you know what I mean? I think it's just the people just want to be heard and and know Mm -hmm. that they're not alone. Because I think I remember uh, when I used to work in the government, there was this uh, guy who was teaching a course and he said that, you know, never underestimate what a smile and hello can do for an individual that can have the potential to turn the whole life around because he said you know he was walking down the street one day and they looked at somebody and and smiled and said how are you and that had a a like the most profound impact on that person's life because he felt alone and he was contemplating killing himself Mm -hmm. but he's like oh my god i've i've been acknowledged you know people actually acknowledge me so that kind of flip the script on his thinking and then you know that stopped him from doing what he was going to do right exactly just like reach out and talk to someone who actually cares and and i think that's another thing too where people have to be mindful of like the company they keep oh yes the company you keep right are are the ones that kind of uh pull you to a higher trajectory a higher height rather than pull you down and i think a lot of time people like okay you have to cut out people but People rarely have the balls to do that. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, it's like the more and more you're sensitive and you're intuitive and all this other stuff, you know that people can drain your energy. And if you keep these negative people in your life, then won't allow for the good to come in. So look at it as like, hey, these people are draining my energy. I'm not kind of getting, you know... um, I'm just like, I feel like shit whenever I'm around them. So yeah. that, that, that that is a good like telling point. I feel like shit. I feel drained. You know what? Mm-hmm. I have to have, you know, self-empowerment. Uh, I have, you know, and self-respect really to cut these people out of my life, you know? Right. And it takes, yeah. and, and, and that also takes like what you described, what's called that self-analysis. Yeah. Where it's like all of a sudden, what, you're dreading the phone call from that friend? <laughs> You yeah. know, because every time you speak to them or every time you hang out with that person, mm-hmm. you feel like you said at the end of the day, you're like, I, I feel depressed. I feel bad. I feel horrible. All yeah. of a sudden, their problems are my problems and they unloaded on me. And, you know, the, and I mean, that's what friends are for. You're there to help each other. But when this person becomes like a psychic vampire. Yes, exactly. And drains all the happiness that you have. Mm-hmm. because of course they're the most important thing it takes a lot sometimes to, to have that moment of truth and say i gotta stop hanging out with this person i really exactly. do you and yeah grow a pair right really right or and you might have an uncomfortable moment where yep. you might even tell that person or not take their call as often mm-hmm. until they finally ask what's wrong and you tell them hey i'm sorry but i can't be around you that much some people are really scared yeah. of having that conversation. But it's almost you have to have that conversation is because like, you know, that we talked about earlier that that people pleasing mentality yes. is that everybody else likes you but yourself. So, exactly. are you, you know, do you want to keep on like putting yourself on the back burner? No. So it's almost like, yeah, if you really do, you know, we talked about earlier again to tie in that that whole like abundance and, mm-hmm. you know, um, letting things come into your life. How are you? You are kind of. um you know, not aligned. So you're saying you want good in your life, but you still are having all these kind of bad negative energies. So you're not letting right. that flow uh, come into your life. So, you know, cut 
the bullshit out so you can allow for the good to come in. I know it's it's not an easy thing to do and I, I've struggled with it a lot. But at the same time, I have to look at my own sanity, what makes me happy. And, you know, I have to allow for more good to come in. And, you know, to be honest, like I cut all the weeds out of my life. I don't have any yeah. of that, these people in my life anymore because I respect myself um, enough to not let that kind of hinder me. Because the thing is, another people, another thing that people need to realize is like, you know, you get what you tolerate. So if you yes. tolerate a lot of people treating you like shit, then you're going to invite more people in that treat you the same way. So right. and you're able to make that decision, then, you know, you're going to keep on getting that. Well, and some people fall into that. I, the rescuer, uh, yeah. mod, they want to rescue everything and everybody. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I, I believe in helping others. Yeah. But they don't know. They don't, their boundaries are shot. They mm -hmm. sometimes, even like you, exactly like what you said earlier, their warning, their internal voice is telling them, hey, you, you shouldn't hang out with this person or don't befriend yeah. this person or stay away from this person. But they don't listen to that inner voice, that instinct, mm -hmm. because they got to rescue everybody. Or they feel sorry for yeah. them. And then, of course, maybe weeks or months down the road, then they're in a situation in a relationship, whether it's a friendship or whatever, where they're like, oh, my God, what is this? And, of course, they're very unhappy and the world's turned upside down and Let's face it. You can't rescue everybody. You shouldn't rescue everybody. No. Because <laughs> you should. We're not all a, a Mother Teresa. You know what I mean? And <laughs> what's the yeah. worst that they could say? You're being selfish? Okay. So, and? So yeah. I'm selfish. What are you going to do about it? I, I think, too, it's almost like when you want something more in your life and more of yes. yourself, you know what I mean? That's going to really shock a lot of people. Because oh, when you're yeah. going, going up. You know what I mean? Once you you raise a bar, you lose the yes. weak. You lower the bar, you lose the strong, right? So, again, if you're meant to go up here, you're going to lose people. And you just have to realize people serve a purpose and a time period in your life. Yes, for, they do. Said. And you have to be okay with that. Well, I have a feeling that some, you know, and like I said, that comes to, I guess what it boils down to is the boundaries that you hold for yourself. Mm -hmm. As far as to protect your happiness, to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's a very important life lesson that a lot of people sometimes fail. Mm -hmm. Self-preservation is very important. And mm -hmm. when I mean self-preservation, I'm not only talking of danger as in your life. Self-preservation mm -hmm. also means your psychological, your emotional, mm -hmm. your spiritual protection, preservation mm -hmm. of yourself. Um, where there's times, scenarios, certain people that you just got to say, I'm sorry, I can't, no, mm -hmm. you know, and then that's it. And that's the yep. best you can do. And yeah, you might, f unfortunately, we're conditioned, like you said, especially women, I'm not going to say only, but yeah. especially women are feeling guilty or why we didn't do anything to help that person. Because mm -hmm. I think even, you know, too, I look at it another perspective, it's almost like, you know, and me saying no to that person, maybe that's that no that they needed to change too, sure. right? Sure. So it's almost like, are you, you always know, look at it as, are you part of the problem or the solution? 
And most yes. of the time, I think, you know, we may be part of the problem if we're not willing to be first honest and like telling people how we feel. And then second to, you know, cut people off. Like I, and I think that's another thing that people are yes. so yeah. scared to be honest, you know, and, yeah. and it's funny though, because like a lot of the time, some of my friends is like, okay, if you want a like honest opinion, you should ask Carol because I, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? and, and, exactly. You know, at times when they, they call me, they're like, oh, Carol, what do you think about this? I'm like, you know, actually, uh, I don't like it. I actually think you need to change this or whatever. And then they start like this argument. But I'm like, hey, you wanted like advice right. and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm just going to be honest. And, right. you know, some people don't like it. Right. It's like, did you want honesty? I mean, yeah. it's all the delivery. Don't get me wrong. There's no need to be cruel on the contrary or humiliating or anything. But if they, you want honest feedback, you mm -hmm. tell them. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's yeah. not. Um, now, if you want me to just to spoon feed you what you want to hear, that's different, though. Yeah. And I guess that's that saying of, you know, people want to, you know, uh, people, when they hear things, they want to hear what they want to hear rather sure. than what they need to hear. Sure. So it's almost like, exactly. yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And I guess also, I guess that's when it the, the thing as far as being a coach, like you said, mm -hmm. or a mentor, that's another thing where. This person tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah. Even it's if a, it's a it makes cooking, you mad. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, like, I, I, I think because I've been so through so much and I'm so honest with myself, uh, with what I went through, then I think it, it comes as, you know what I mean? Like, she kind of knows what it is to kind of go through the stuff and to tell it what it is. Because I think when they come in the mindset, it's like they're, you know, we're here to help. So we're not here to kind of purposely trying to hurt your feelings, but it's almost like if you want the truth, we're going to give it to you. Right. You know, we, no, no sugar coating anything. Well, you know what? And believe it or not, it, let's say even when it comes to friends, that is the mm -hmm. good friend. That is the yeah. good, true friend. Exactly. The one that tells you what they, maybe you don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. uh, in risks, uh, you, you getting mad at them. Mm -hmm. um, that that's really sometimes a sign of a true friend. And by this, I'm not talking about somebody that puts you down all the time. I'm talking about somebody yeah. that when you're doing something wrong or doing something that they think is not right for you, that they tell you, hey, I don't mm -hmm. think that's a good idea. Exactly. And uh, so that's very unappreciated nowadays. Yeah, because it's almost like, because I think, you know, a lot of the time people are like, their ego gets hurt. You know yes. what I mean? It's like, how dare you say this to me? But it's almost right. like, you know, I'm here to help, you know what I mean? When we practice love, and I think we talked about it earlier, you mentioned, mm -hmm. you have to give tough love sometimes. Yes, of course. You know, and, and that's for your own realization, your own evolution of your consciousness. You have to be open enough to hear it because as much as I am willing to give it, I'm open to receiving it too. Be like, you know, Carol, like I think that you approached that, that was a bit too harsh or whatever, or maybe your perspective is, you know, maybe too a little bit too rigid. But the thing is I'm open because I'm willing to, to learn it and improve because we are naturally a work in progress. I am not, I never want to be perfect because perfection to me is like, you might as well be dead. You don't, you know, because you're not learning and growing. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, it's like, I'm, Perfectly imperfect. And Absolutely. I want to grow. Yeah. It's a perfection of imperfection. And the truth yes. is a lot of friends will say, well, you're supposed to support me. And sometimes that is support. Support exactly. doesn't mean telling you, oh, everything is great. Sometimes support is telling you, hey, I yeah. I don't think that's right for you. And yes. after a while, if you're honest, you know which of your friends come from a good place when they tell you stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and then... You know, it, it, 
it takes off from there. But anyway, Carol, I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. It has been wonderful to speak to you. Has been great, as a matter of fact. And I want yeah. to know: Are you planning any new books? I know, like, um, I, I let me ask you because I know that uh, your your website you have more than one website. What's for the people that are listening to this on podcast? What's the website where you can be reached at? I'm sorry. The, the can, go ahead. Yeah, they can uh, uh, connect with me on Facebook. You know, at mm-hmm. you know Carol Benias. They can also go to my website www.carolbenias.com and you know, they can email me at cb at com as well. Okay. Yeah. And if you okay. want to kind of uh, know, you know, certain things that I'm into or, you know, with the, the movement, they can go to Meetup and type in the Wake the Fuck Up movement to kind of get more um, information on that. And I will have some upcoming books coming. Uh, I'm not going to reveal the title yet. It's going to come out soon. Okay. But once I I'll let you know. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I know. I know. The yeah. creative but process. Have, yeah. Yeah, but I also want to kind of thank you for taking the time and no, having the interest to have a, a discussion with me and, you know, taking time it in your business been schedule. Yeah. My pleasure. On the contrary, it has been totally, totally my pleasure. And I want to yeah. wish you the best of luck in all your projects. Yes. Thank you, you as well. And I look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Absolutely, darling. Take care. Thank you. Much love. Bye. Bye bye. Much love. <laughs> so, guys, see? Isn't it great to bring somebody in that's a little bit different than some of the guests that I bring on? You know, everybody thinks of the paranormal as always ghosts and ghoulies and long-legged beasties. Not all the time. Okay. The reason why I brought Carol on because I was, you know, she did write that book and she had those near-death experiences and you know, hopefully, um, believe it or not, there's, there's, you know, she went through these things in her life and hopefully we don't have to go through things like that um, to make a change in our life when it's, when we really need it. And um, I think everybody comes to those type of crossroads more than once in their lifetime for different reasons and different aspects of their life. And the reason why I, because, you know, if you listen to Carol's story, it's more than just a motivational coaching thing. There's a, a layer of the metaphysical there. Okay. Almost like there was things going on in her life. Like she was saying that despite the appearance of what was going on in her life, apparently there were things going on underneath the surface or on a metaphysical level that she wasn't paying attention to. And unfortunately, it was only after certain events that she came to this realization about what she really wanted, what was in her heart, what she was really meant to do. Some people call it a purpose in life. Which, by the way, a lot of people think, oh, when I discover my purpose in life, that's it. Folks, that's a big illusion. That is. We have several purposes in life. You know, you have a purpose in life up to a certain point and then it'll change and you've got to change with it. Okay? Because sometimes, and it's not that you've made the wrong choice, but we change. We're fluid. What was right for you maybe when you were a teenager or in your 20s, then it changes and you got to listen to yourself and maybe, 
you change what you do. Uh, we're, we're always under a state of evolution as human beings. And I think sometimes people fail to recognize that about ourselves. And they, they think that once they get the purpose in life, that's it. I don't have to go searching for anything else and I'll be done. And this is what I'll do for the ever and ever. Amen. And maybe for some people it is. I'm not saying no. But there's a lot of things about us as human beings that changes over time. And it doesn't mean that if what you did maybe for 20 or 30 years, you stop doing it or you switch it around or you change it. That doesn't mean you were wrong. It just means that you're now maybe have are going in another direction. Or you need something else that really makes your heart happy. Uh, whatever it might be. And um, hopefully, like I said, the universe doesn't have to reach out to you in such a harsh way to make you pay attention uh, to say you are not listening to yourself or there's things going on in you that you are trying to quiet down by getting this you know studying this area you know or getting this job whether it's the prestige whether it's the money that's attached to a job or you know if you have a certain lifestyle then then everybody will look at you and go wow that person is successful that person is happy ah. don't get me wrong i'm a big believer in human potential i'm a big believer that we should strive to obtain certain things that make us happy complete whether it's knowledge uh, material things up to a certain point absolutely because i think that humans striving to obtain certain things it's good for us and there's going to be things people that are better than you and there's people that are going to be worse than you which by the way that's a whole different show as in stop the comparison crap but anyway um i think that uh i think that all human beings what they want is to be happy and despite a lot of the conditioning that we get from society and like what i was talking about with you know, television and commercials and advertising and all these different companies wanting to make money off us humans. In reality, we need much, much less to be happy than what we think. And by this, like I've said before, I don't mean happy like you run around going, ha, ha, ha. Okay, happiness is in contentment, points of high happiness, because it's when you have that ability that when you something happens, a problem that you know there's happiness at the other end of this. I can cope with this, I can handle it, and I'll get through it somehow, depending on what it is. Some problems obviously are more serious than others. But when you experience happiness, when you know what happiness is like is in contentment, and you realize this is what it need, what I need to make me happy, and contrary to what everybody's telling me that I need to have this and buy that and this and that, I no, you know. Um, I don't know, we just, when we look back through our lives, we'll see that, man, it wasn't that complicated. It really wasn't that complicated um, to be happy, to look forward to each day, even if maybe bad things sometimes happen and problems come up. Uh, in other words, that you love life. Yes, you love life with all its imperfection. And you come to the understanding that life is messy. Yes, it's messy. And it'll be messier sometimes than others. And, um, you know, that 
that's how we learn, how we grow, how we flex our human muscles in the sense of we handle things and we tackle things and sometimes it turns out great, sometimes it doesn't. We learn from past mistakes. And um, like I said, I, I, I don't, I, I think that the best, happiest humans are the ones that engage in life uh, and determine what is going to be my story despite adverse beginnings or circumstances or situations that we've been in. You are the author of your story. And sometimes it's very tough and it's a day-to-day -day thing sometimes to make that decision that I, this is going to be my story the way I want it to be. And I'm going to do what I need to do to have that story again. Whether you have to practice a lot at something or you have to study or you have to could play out in so many variables depending on what it is that you want that makes you happy um, yeah I think we're simpler creatures despite what we're being told you we're complex in many ways but in other ways we're also very simple simpler than uh, than we're led to believe when it comes to the happiness component so anyway guys thank you so much for coming and uh, sharing this time with me uh, please uh, don't forget to look me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I live stream there. I've got a lot of fantastic guests coming on. My true believers, don't forget to sub subscribe and also go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to Submit Your Story tab and I want to hear about your true experiences, whatever they might be. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a ghost story. It could be something metaphysical, absolutely metaphysical. I'm truly interested in that. Um mystical experiences you know a lot of people think that the paranormal is only ufos bigfoot ghosts not necessarily there's a lot of esoteric and metaphysical things that fall into what i consider part of the paranormal field mystical experiences uh things that happen to us uh, that we might want to dismiss as coincidence but deep in our heart we know that it's not i want to hear about that so again, guys, thanks. Thank you so much. You're all wonderful. And I look forward to bringing a lot of fantastic shows for us all to enjoy. Take care.